Hey, just an FYI, this episode is all about an ecologist's mission to protect wildlife. But as part of that, there are some graphic descriptions of a dead animal she encountered in the wild. Just a heads up. Okay, onto the show. When Dr. Ray Wynn Grant spotted the bear, it was lying in a stream. Like a stream that was, you know, maybe three or four inches deep at its deepest. So not a stream that any person or animal could drown in. But it was like head down Hmm. in a stream. Ray's a wildlife ecologist. And back in 2013, she was working for the Department of Wildlife in Nevada when she and her mentor got a call about this bear. It had been found dead, face down, in less than four inches of water. I mean, that was eerie to Mm. begin with. It was super weird. But, of course, we were coming with this expectation that it had been shot. It is incredibly rare to find a dead bear in the wild. To stumble upon one that had died of natural causes is almost unheard of. They're like going somewhere secret to die, like to their cave or like what do you, what's the, we don't, do we not yeah, know? We don't know. You yeah. know, it's, I could tell you where a dead bear is if it's wearing a GPS collar, but if there's no collar, honey, I don't know where they're dying. I don't know where they're hibernating. Like we don't know. For every bear that you see like in your backyard or off the road, like there are 300 bears that you're not seeing that are somewhere else. So this bear was a bit of a scientific marvel and definitely a mystery. As Ray and her mentor stepped off the trail to investigate, neither of them said a word to each other. They were cautious, even a little bit nervous. So we approach the bear. It is definitely dead, but it's freshly dead. It's still, its body is still kind of warm. It's not all stiff. We pull it onto the banks of the stream and we turn it over just to kind of look for a very obvious, like, bullet hole. And we really look all over. We kind of comb through it. It's a beautiful bear. It's healthy. It's fat. You know, it had, like, nice, shiny fur. We don't see any indication that it had been shot. Hmm. And so this is when my mentor, I thought he was going to just say, like, okay, let's, like, take it back to, you know, the laboratory. And instead, he pulled out a giant switchblade, and he handed a second one to me. Ray was confused. She didn't quite understand what was about to happen with this dead bear and these two knives. So I asked, and he said, we're going to do a necropsy, which meant we were going to basically dissect this bear Hmm. and try to figure out what could have killed it. Which, on the like, spot. You were going to do it on the spot. <laughs> but we started like peeling layer after layer off the bear. I mean, the layer of skin and fat and tissue. And we're basically skinning this bear in the middle of the Sierra Nevada mountains, in the middle of the forest, just us. It's quiet. You know, birds are chirping. Sun's out. Like snow is gently melting. <laughs> and here we are, me and my mentor with these giant knives just hacking away at this bear. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're going to hear from Dr. Ray Wynn Grant about the kind of work she gets to do in the field as a wildlife ecologist. 
It's a story that takes us from the city to the bush of southern Kenya and back to that forest in the Sierra Mountains, where we will solve the mystery of what killed that bear. More after this. I took a road trip. How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey, Erica, how much am I spending on travel? When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites— along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Dr. Ray Wynn Grant first fell in love with nature by watching TV. So I grew up as an urban kid, inner city, and I used to watch nature shows on TV. Hmm. That was where I wanted to be. I wanted to like forget Saturday morning cartoons. Like I wanted to like sit in front of the TV and watch nature shows. And I'm still like that. I still yeah. am. Like, you know, when Planet Earth came out, what, more than 10 years ago, maybe, I mean, like I was still right there, you know, yeah. like I'd go to a party and that's what I would want to talk about. Today, Ray is a wildlife ecologist. Her research is all about studying groups of animals in incredibly close detail. It's a lot like what she used to see on the nature shows she watched. She gets to go out into the wild and track animals. She observes everything from where they sleep and what they eat to how they behave. And then all that information is used to help protect those animals. Ray's specialty is large carnivores, things like lions and tigers and black bears. What is it about studying large carnivore ecology that you particularly like? I mean, these are, they're obviously magnificent animals, but they're also the ones that eat you. Oh, gosh. I blame the nature shows. It was about lions and tigers and polar bears and sharks. Those were like the heroes of those shows. And so for a long time as a kid, I just thought to myself, when I grow up, I want to be a nature show host because that's how I can see wild animals. I yeah. wasn't necessarily taught like oh, there's a career path, you know, there's a type of science that allows you to interact with wild animals and like you could do it, you know, an hour from home or, you know, any of those things. I, I didn't know that. When Ray started college and when she declared an environmental science major, she had never actually been on a hike. She felt like she was falling behind in her classes, like all of her classmates knew something that she didn't. And what I learned and or kind of realized was that all of the students in my class, except me, had had experiences in nature. So there I was, like, 
reading about the forest in a textbook and like not getting it. <laughs> and all of these kids were like, oh, yeah, well, like, you know, when I'm in the forest, like I see yeah. ecological succession looking like this or like, oh, yeah, you know. So I quickly realized, oh, man, I apparently have to go outside. And that's why during her junior year of college, Ray decided to study abroad in southern Kenya. She joined a wildlife ecology program where she'd be living in hots in the bush for six months while studying zebra behavior in the wild. And I was like, all right, I'm doing it. I'm diving in. <laughs> I remember my parents were very supportive. <laughs> like they were certainly they were like, we cannot relate to this at all. But like, OK, you know, go for it. I'll never forget, like, going to an outdoors store with my mom to buy stuff in preparation. <laughs> I had to get hiking boots, right, for the first time. And we were just totally lost. We were like, look at all this gear. It's so expensive. So I ended up showing up to the program with, like, my regular, like, Jansport backpack, you know, and just all the regular stuff. The drive from the airport out to the campsite was already maybe the most spectacular thing Ray had ever seen. There were elephants, giraffes, zebras. And I saw a marabou stork. I was looking out on the landscape, just totally lost in my thoughts, you know, absorbing it all. And they're tall. They're these birds that they can be, you know, five feet tall. So from a distance, they look like velociraptors, like <laughs> on the landscape. It looked like dinosaurs just walking yeah. together on the landscape. And I remember like doing a double take and being like, what? Like, you know, they're not flightless birds. They're huge. <laughs> and I remember being like, I have watched every nature show that has ever existed, and yet I have never seen a marabou stork until today. That was my first wild animal. At the campsite, Ray and a dozen or so of the other study abroad students all lived in huts, and they only had electricity for a few hours a day. And just three days after she got there, Ray got E. coli. My roommate from college at the time was studying abroad in Paris, and she was sending me postcards, and I was sending her postcards. She, you know, was like going to restaurants and, you know, concerts and buying clothes, and I was like writing, you know, by the light of a flashlight and listening to colobus monkeys like hoot and holler, and, you know, I was getting... E. coli, <laughs> you know, like taking malaria medicine. Ray tells this wild story on her podcast. We'll put a link in the show notes about a lion circling her tent in the middle of the night. And remember, this wasn't just Ray's first trip to Kenya or into the wild. It was her first time camping ever. And it seems like coming out of that trip, you are just even more galvanized. You are even more kind of directed that this is the thing that you wanted to do. Oh, 100%. I mean, coming out of the trip, I was like, how could anyone not want this lifestyle? Like, who who wouldn't want to live in the bush, you know, and spend all their time with wild animals? Like, how, like I just couldn't conceive of how anyone wouldn't want to. But it worked. You know, it hooked me. I was like, I belong here. I belong in this field. And then there's one other like really critical element, and that's that the professors who were in charge of this study abroad program were black African professors. They were mm -hmm. wildlife ecologists. They were Kenyan men who had gone off to like, you know, England and the United States to do their PhDs and returned. And so although I was the only black 
student in this program, for the first time and the only time ever in my life, I had black professors. I've never mm. had black professors uh, outside of that. And so the people who were the experts who were showing us, you know, this career and who had all the knowledge were a lot like me. Yeah. And that gave me kind of this, this like unconscious support and confidence that I could belong in this field, you know, like just because I, I didn't grow up in it or wasn't familiar with it, but like I could see people like me reflected in it in leadership positions. And that really stuck with me. That really added to the experience. Ray went on to get a master's and a PhD in environmental studies, ecology and evolution. She spent several more years studying lions before eventually switching to black bears in North America. There's something very gentle hmm. about bears that I really fell in love with. And then not only that, but I was fortunate enough to study them in a very hands-on way. So literally to trap them and like listen to their heartbeat and like hmm. check their breathing and literally give them checkups as part of my science work and data collection. So they were, I was like caring for them in a very tangible way um, for such a long time. And that really, that really changed a lot for me. And so that day in 2013, when Ray and her mentor were called out to investigate the dead bear in the stream, it was kind of emotional for them. As they dissected this bear on site, they weren't just invested in solving the mystery of what killed it out of curiosity. They cared about figuring out what happened because they cared about this bear and protecting other bears like it. And I thought at some point we would stop because we weren't finding any evidence. But he insisted that we keep going to the point that we got to most of the internal organs. Hmm. Liver looked healthy, heart looked normal, lungs looked good. We couldn't figure it out. We were looking at the intestines. They seemed fine. Finally, my mentor got to the stomach. And he was saying, well, let's at least look at the stomach contents to see what it was eating. And he made a slit. And as soon as he opened up a little, just out-dumped like 50 ketchup packets. I mean, like, hmm. like fast food restaurant ketchup packets just came pouring out of this dead bear's stomach onto our laps, like into the bear, onto the ground. Hmm. And I mean, nothing would have prepared either of us for that moment. He had been working with bears for 30 years. Neither of us had seen anything like that before. From there, it wasn't too hard to figure out what had happened. The bear had come down out of the mountains, smelled a fast food restaurant, and raided the dumpster. It had eaten a bag full of ketchup packets and died from the blockage. And that's, that's the story. It happened to me like almost 10 years ago now. And yet when I think about that story and I think about what happened, it feels so fresh because it also made me question a lot about conservation. I think on one hand, it gave me a reality check. There's tragedy left and right, and it's because of humans, and it's because of the way that we live, and the way that we can even unconsciously make huge impacts to the environment. It's possible that that bear could have just died there and no one would have ever seen it or found it and no one would have ever known what killed it, you know, but but we did. We found out that day. That feeling is maybe not exactly what Ray had in mind 
when she started watching nature shows on TV as a little kid and imagined doing this job. She probably didn't predict cutting open a bear with a switchblade in the middle of the forest either. But now Ray is on the kinds of shows she used to watch. She hosts a podcast for PBS, and her dream has grown from just being out in nature and seeing animals to advocating for them, to being part of building systems that can help protect them. There's a number of things that I want people to really take away from the examples that I give and the stories that I have. And mainly it's that we can do better. Like we as a society can save the environment. We can make positive change and we can live harmoniously with wild animals. So I want people to know that one, this is a career path because that's something I did not know (laughs) as a kid or as a young adult that like, you you know, if you're interested in the environment or wild animals or conservation, like this is a really good career path. And we do need more people to join us in this career. And we need more people from diverse backgrounds with different perspectives and experiences and solutions. If you like this story, you should absolutely check out Ray's podcast. It's called Going Wild. And she shares a lot of other stories from her time in the field, and she interviews other scientists about their stories. It is a great show, and there is a link in our show notes. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was produced by Sarah Wyman. It was edited by Gianna Palmer. Special thanks to Gabby Gladney. The production team includes... Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder-Arnold, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Casey Holford. This episode was sound designed and mixed by Luce Fleming. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I'll see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure that you're always connected to the road ahead. Inside, A thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com. Selling smoothies is what I do, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. He's a small business owner, too, so he knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today.